Welcome to East Coast DNA. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, so today we have uh, Elise Aaron. Now, I did have one question right off the bat where I'm mentioning your name. Okay. That, that is your name. That is my name. But for our listeners or viewers, sometimes when you are announcing your gigs, you use alternate names based on whether or not you're playing as a duo or trio or with your full fleshed out band that you see in your music videos. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, maybe rather than me stumbling through who you are, if you could explain those different... I know what they are myself, but maybe for the fans, you could explain uh, what they're seeing on those posters out there for live Yeah, shows. well, thanks for asking because I've been getting this question more lately. Um, and I think it's because I've been doing more shows as Elise Aaron. Mm -hmm. So Elise Aaron is, is me. That's my solo project. Um, that's my original arrangements and songs that I've wrote. Um, but my kind of start into the East Coast music scene was as a cover band. And um, I didn't want to be confused um, as to who Elise Aaron was with who the girl was on stage on a Friday night singing four hours of cover songs. So we've been incorporating more and more of the original content into those late night bar shows. Um, and so far it's been received pretty well by, you know, audience and, and bar owners alike. So uh, we kind of dropped some of the cover band names. So I used to be in a cover band called Shot Fire. Okay. Um, and then when it was just um, my guitar player, Garrett, and myself, we would call ourselves Aaron Taylor. So that's my last name and his last name. Mm -hmm. um, but then that too got to be further confusing um, because, you know, we started... As I said, putting in more of the original content and stuff. So I thought at least if my name was there, then people could still be, you know, uh, I don't know, inclined to think like, oh, okay, Aaron, like Elise Aaron, Aaron Taylor, like it's the same person. But it is two separate projects in a way. So mm -hmm. I use Aaron Taylor if it's going to be mostly cover songs and a longer gig. And I stick with Elise Aaron if it's going to be mostly focused on music that I wrote um, in an event where, you know, maybe it's a festival. Other artists are there singing original music and whatnot. And you're not going to get any Alanis Morissette at that show, yeah, for sure. example. So less and less Aaron Taylor as I move forward and start to write more songs and I'm um, putting out an album and whatnot. But I hope that clears things up a little bit better. Oh, absolutely. And <laughs> I mean, that's probably a good segue for uh, the fact that you're showcasing at Nova Scotia Music Week on the Friday night at Friday night. Daniel's Ale House. Yes, as uh, Elise Aaron. Yes. <laughs> uh, and I will have a full band for that. But of course, it'll be six of my own songs. Mm -hmm. That uh, the band has learned. So, did you owe me no, uh, no Alanis Morissette at this show? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, now I'm aware of you through the podcast because with me doing research for bands and everything, you've been through Pictou County yeah. and you have some connections to some of the local artists that the podcast is at on. And I'm familiar with them as well from being in a local scene. But I'm a little curious. I know you're originally not from Nova Scotia. I am. I'm originally from Cape You're Brown. originally from here and then left and came back? Yes, yes. Okay. That's so that's the story I want to hear because I know that you spent some time in Ontario. Yeah. And you have a debut album coming out, but you have right. old material that's out there. Right. Um, you had Salt, which is a couple years old now. Yep. 
and Shades of Blue was released on a USB, which I think is awesome. And I have to, do you still have any of those? I do, a I, bunch. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll have to bring me one to Music Week and I'll slide you a few bucks for it there. I, 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 definitely, <laughs> okay. I definitely want to get a copy of that. I like the novelties. Um, yeah, so I, I was born and raised on Cape Breton Island and okay. um, I had always loved music and played music, but I didn't always perform music in the way that I do now. Sure. Um, and I was highly encouraged to go to university, um, particularly into sciences. And that was what my uh, family was most excited about for me and proud of me for. So for if you have listeners who, um, you know, are in like the 25 to 45 year range, I find that's kind of in your more of your self-discovery period than what society has traditionally taught us. We're taught to believe yes. that you discover who you are at about 18 and then you just know and then you choose a career and then life is great. Um, completely false. I went to university, I got an engineering degree and I moved to New Brunswick to start work and I felt completely lost as to who I was or what I was supposed to be doing, but I was good at it and I was making money and I just kind of fell into a routine, um, which took me to Maine for a couple of years and then later back to Toronto. So I was in Canada again and it was around those 2018, 2019 years when I was in Ontario that I felt really like kind of desperate for a change or for just a little bit of like clarity as to like, is this all there is? This can't be all there is. Sure. So um, anyway, long story short, because a lot of stuff happened in those couple of years when I was in Ontario, um, I came back and I was only supposed to come back for a couple months. And then I was going to be immigrating to the U.S., um, having known at that time that I was going to be spending more time on music. Um, I had already kind of got myself a new guitar and got myself into the gigging scene in Toronto and was feeling like a little, seeing a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Like, OK, you know, I, I can still do the thing I love and it doesn't have to be my full time career, but I can at least spend time doing it because I think that's something else that happens to us as we get in to adult routines and jobs, we forget that we once had something that lit us up that wasn't our job. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, I came home and I wasn't here two weeks and we were in the first lockdown of the pandemic. Yeah, so, you're, you're a little unique. Um, oh for, man, Because so many <laughs> people that we've talked to are like born out of COVID or had like a renewed focus out of COVID. And there's a few people that I have that interviewed that were starting to build up as that was happening but you fall into that category more so that you were already making the adjustments in your life and reflecting on those things at the same time that the whole world was starting to shut down and yeah think about the same type of things yeah it was almost um the timing was somewhat divine it yeah. felt because obviously my immigration was halted and everything that i thought i was going to be doing was on pause and it gave me an opportunity to say, what if I used all this free time towards making Shades of Blue, which is yes. what I spent that time doing, um, and just digging deeper into the thing that's lighting me up the most. And eventually, as those months went on, it came to a point where I was able to decide, 
What if I just didn't go back to engineering at all? What mm-hmm. if I stayed in Cape Breton? What if I put myself out there and performed in front of people? And uh, it was like one step at a time. Um, so I'd been spending that year at my mom's place and eventually I moved out of my own kind of quietly <laughs> and uh, just started pursuing this almost without even telling anybody what I was doing. I just kind of did it. And here we are. Doing it for yourself, it really is a big deal. Like no matter what it is that you do, but when you find something that you have a passion for and you are able to kind of go off and do it on your own, regardless of what the people around you, it's great to have the support, but to be able to kind of get up on your feet and do yeah. something, it's, it is, it, there's not even any words to describe how important that can be once you have that in place. You don't know until you've gone through that type of thing, but... Right. Well, and it was, it wasn't easy, but it felt almost undeniable is the word I've been using lately. So like, I mean, I moved out, I was probably living in, I was living in the cheapest place that I could find in my Mm -hmm. hometown. Um, Talk about like a reality check. I'm (laughs) like, I'm (laughs) I'm like, I'm back in my hometown. Like, what am I doing? I just felt like it was like, hey, I'm, this is either going to be the biggest mistake of my life or the best thing I could ever do for myself. And I had to just keep, I had to just like keep a strong mindset of like, this feels too right to be wrong. So even though I had like sure. no money, no real plan, no support, my family was not impressed with how I was deciding to live my life. And I was so new that I didn't have anybody backing me saying like, hey, yeah. check out this girl. Like I was literally just playing at the local dive bar for four hours, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, trying to get by. Um, and then when we couldn't gig... It was like I was working four jobs at one point, I think, just trying to pay my bills. And I'm like, this is after having worked as an engineer for eight to ten years. So it was like total reality check on, on, you know, a different kind of side of of life and entrepreneurship and dream chasing. Well, Well, that demographic (laughs) of the 25 to 45 that you said, like where you actually are reflecting more than you expect it to be. It, it, that is pretty much the demographic for this podcast for listeners as well. So I'm yeah. sure there's a few people listening or watching this right now. They're like, she left an engineering job. I couldn't do that. Like that's, it, it's, well, yeah. it's hey, impressive. There was a time I thought I couldn't do it. There was the whole eight years up to those last two years where I was transitioning out of it. Mm-hmm. I thought I couldn't do it. I was going to go back to med school. I was going to um, move to a third world country and dedicate myself to the service of others. I was going to like go work for Google. I had like, I just knew I needed to get out, but I had no idea how because music wasn't a real job, right? And it wasn't until someone asked me if you could do anything you wanted to do and money and time and your age we're not a factor in any of it. What would you do? What would you do if you could go back and start over? And I said, music. And this, the look on this person's face, they were like, why don't you just simply do it? Cause you love it. Yeah. Like just play every evening after work. Cause you love it. And that was mm-hmm. really where it started or where it restarted, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. And I mean, that's, parallels that I see a lot when these interviews too, the the podcast was kind of burst out of a COVID 
having time and what do I want to do with my time? And I was spending a lot of time researching independent bands and local bands and reading about them and cataloging their music. And then I'm like, oh, some people find this interesting. So there you go. We have an episode where we can talk about the exact same things again. I I love that. And hey, not to discount how difficult the pandemic was for so many people. Um, I know it was a horrible thing. And yeah, there's a lot of negative things that have to be because of it. But ultimately, it was just an opportunity to make a change through all of the difficult and beautiful that it brought with it. It was it was a window. And now. That would have been a huge thing thing and i can imagine the self-doubt that would have been praying the back of your mind especially trying to do things independent because oh, yeah. the, the the self-doubt can be really bad when you're working on something by yourself but this past year where we're starting to loosen some of the restrictions and things were opening back up your name was popping up everywhere because you were doing live streams when we were in the lockdowns. Yeah. So I, I definitely, even if I wasn't doing the podcast, I would have been aware of who you were from that. And That's timing awesome. of your, uh, the Bittersweet High single probably came out around the same time that we were starting to put together ideas of doing this specific podcast. So <laughs> you, you would have lined up perfectly, but you had a phenomenal year. Uh, yeah, I had a pretty good year. You've, uh, you're, you're definitely well connected within the music industry. I see all the different people that you're playing with, and like some of these people are acquaintances of mine. And as I mentioned, one of the other interviews is somebody that you'll be playing back to back with on your showcase, Aaron McDonald. He's on yeah. our list for the bonus episodes here as well. So I'm seeing your connections around with everyone, and I'm seeing your radio play and everything online. Uh, Wild Card was out in 2022. Yeah, right before ECMA. Yes. The- so I know that that got some play. I follow the East Coast charts and stuff, especially for the podcast. So I saw you along there. And now this week you have a follow-up single, Under My Skin, which I was bothering you because I'd seen you live a few times and it became an earworm for me. Oh, I, love I, that. I couldn't get rid of it. And then I was like, <laughs> well, I might as well just like, see if I can get it on Bandcamp or something. And I'm like, oh, no, no, it's not there. I was like, maybe on Spotify. Oh, yes. I know it from live performances. It's not out yet. Yeah. So I'm oh, personally very better. excited. Yeah. Well, thank you for the excitement. It's uh, it's the first single from my debut album as well. So I don't consider Shades of Blue an album. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, like, it's somewhere in between... Like, I guess, technically by Music Nova Scotia and ECMA standards, it would be considered an album in length. But because it was recorded in the spare bedroom at my mom's house and I was all by myself trying to figure it all out. And hey, it was never meant to see the outside of those four walls. (laughs) It was uh, it was like, I don't know, a moment of insanity where I was like, I'm going to put it out. Uh, 20, Um, 30 years ago, it would have been a cassette and you would have called it demos. Yeah, exactly. But I'm glad I did because it was somewhere to start. And we were talking, I think, before we started recording about how you said there was some earlier stuff that you did that, you know, since then you've improved your your equipment and your technology and your your processes and Mm -hmm. your podcast now is of a higher quality because of that. But you had to start somewhere. Yes. And same. I mean, 
you know, maybe back in the days of record deals being a little more abundant, then no one would have heard those things because someone would have been there to help me off from the get-go. But yep. it is what it is. And and I think a lot of those people you were mentioning that I've connected with, I connected through DIY. Aaron McDonald yeah. uh, does a lot of his own recordings. Andre Pettipon, those guys do a lot of their own stuff. But not only that, like put on their own shows and create their own events and do a lot of their own marketing and branding. Yes. And I think those are the people that I really resonated with early on. And then our relationships just kind of grew through that. So I don't regret any of those early recordings, even though um, I think Under My Skin is going to be a, a significant um, improvement, uh, as will the upcoming album. Oh, and, and on that, uh, from following your social media... I'm also aware that you had a whole uh, choreographed music video. Yes. Is that, I'm going to guess rather than ask it, is, was that like Five Islands area that you recorded that? or It was Blominen Beach okay. in the valley. Yeah. That's, that's a place I've not been. It looks beautiful. It was the first place I had ever been as well. Um, mm -hmm. And our reason for choosing was low tide. It's almost like you can't see the water at all. Yeah. Um, but it took us so long to get through because we were trying to do it in one take. Yeah. Um, the tide was tide was on its way back in. So I didn't really achieve like, don't ask me why I was trying to achieve a desert look at a beach, but it, it was just kind of a vibe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it still worked, but there, there'll be more, uh, it'll look more beachy than I had intended to originally, I think. Sure. And when's the, is that released this week as well to coincide with the single being released? I'm aiming for two weeks after the okay. single release, but I haven't seen the edit yet. I'm actually having a call with uh, Chris Ross, my director after this to, to chat about final awesome. edits and stuff. So, Well, when we do our follow up after these music week bonus episodes and all the recent ones we had we've concentrated solely on nova scotia for an east coast music podcast so we are going to try to do some of the other provinces after the music week but awesome. uh yeah make sure i'll see it on social media anyway but make yeah. sure you let me know when the video's coming out and we'll promote it on our future episodes as well because i'm yeah, sure everyone's sure. gonna like to go out and watch that now the choreographed part that I mentioned in there was because I did see in your social medias that that was a personal goal for you, that as a child, you would have been quite pleased oh. to know that you grew up to do Listen. this dancing music. <laughs> Young me, like 10 year old me is so proud of 30 plus year old me. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I danced since I was not a baby, like um, a lot of... People start dancing when they're three years old. I begged my parents to put me into dance every year, and I finally convinced them when I was in the fifth grade. And I loved it the way I loved music. I just, I loved, I felt like dance and music went hand in hand for me. When I heard music, it made me want to dance. When I heard a song, I would see a whole choreographed dance piece in my head, and I used to say, and maybe I pretended I was joking, but that my dream job was to be a Britney Spears backup dancer. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so maybe not. Maybe my dream is to actually be, I'd rather be in the spotlight. I don't think you're ever going to see me with like a headset mic, you know, sure. doing, a, doing a Britney Spears on stage. But um, a lot of independent artists who I follow and love have incorporated dance into their music. Maggie Rogers is one of my favorite artists of the last few years. Yeah. And she had done it for her Falling Water video. 
Um, she's solo dancing. Uh, it's very interpretive, very modern, but she had someone teach her to do that for the video. And I remember thinking like, man, that would be like, yeah. like that would be the epitome of success. Right. But as you work through these entrepreneurial kind of aspirations that, uh, that you may have, you, you get a little closer to each kind of step of the progress or, you develop yourself a little more, you gain confidence with that, and you realize that's actually not that crazy of an idea. So anyway, I work with Chris Ross on the wildcard video, and he said, are you thinking about any future videos for any of your upcoming songs? And I said, you know, I always thought it would be really cool to do a dance video for a song. And he said, like, why not? Just yeah. do it. And uh, I was like, whoa, you know, why not? But like, you know, I just, mind blown in a moment, like, I just felt in that moment like it was possible. And he actually recommended the choreographer. Her name was Marin Jessam, and she's okay. from the Valley. And then Marin hired two dancers who were both from Cape Breton. Cool. Um, and then we brought on Dryden Mortimer, who lives in the Halifax area now. And everything just started coming together like effortlessly once I put it out there, which awesome. is kind of now how I try and live my life and my career is something i want to do i just I, I don't i'm not shy of it anymore i just say it and i tell everyone and eventually the pieces seem to fall together i mean it's still scary but um but yes dance always something that i loved as much as i loved music but dance isn't as easy to get back into <laughs> sure yeah there's your body like i tried to get back into it a couple times in my adult life and my body said no mm -hmm. Just no, sorry. You need you need uh, <laughs> to keep at it slowly and build up. Same as anything physical, I suppose. Like, yeah, you, and you, I'm not you, saying that it's not a possibility. Yeah, um, it just wasn't something that I could kind of you know quietly do in my in my uh, apartment. Yeah, exactly. after ten at night when I was home from from my my day job back then, but um, but it was so it was a challenge. It was exciting. It wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be, but there's not that much um, crazy moves happening in it. Sure, yeah. There's one section that's a little technical, but the other girls do that. And I'm cool. just kind of like walking and flicking my hair. Yeah. Like I said, I saw some of the pictures and you might have had like a little clip or two there of you guys doing some of the dancing. So I've seen a little bit. It would be exciting to see the full video. And now I I'm excited to go see that beach sometime because I... The the Five Islands area does that too, where the tide goes out. Oh yeah, is it so on the Bay of Fundy? Five Islands. Yeah, okay, yeah. So that's yeah. that's why I was thinking that might be where it was because it's the only place I've been to like that. So now now there's another beach for me to check out next summer. That's exciting. Yeah, it's beautiful. And one thing too for your genre, um, a lot of these recent episodes actually, there's a whole string of these bonus episodes that are all Cape Breton. Um, because you guys are all being nominated for awards and doing showcases and music 100%. week in Cape Breton this year. It. Yes. It, uh, it worked out really well. Yeah. I, I'm going to claim that I strategically planned it, but it really is a coincidence that you guys all happen to be from Cape Breton. Uh, so last year when I was at music week and going around meeting people, you and I didn't meet at the time. Um, I was trying to figure, I knew who you were. Because, I mean, Music Nova Scotia is good to give all the information ahead of time. And, um, but you had that similar Guns N' Roses shirt on. Oh, yeah. And the black leather jacket. And you were sitting, <laughs> you were sitting like, 
arm's length away from me and I was going around introducing myself to everybody. Um, it was in the middle of a somebody else's showcase or something. So it wasn't really a great time, but I could not figure out if you were the same person or not because you had a very rock look to you and I was putting you into a country category based on what I had read and heard already. Yeah. And now when I look at your profile now, I see you do list yourself as alternative country rock. Yeah. And I'm aware of your inspirations. Uh, like, I mean, you, you mentioned Britney Spears. But <laughs> there's, there's an era there, late 90s, early 2000s exactly. of bands. Who that, was not inspired yeah. by Britney Spears when they were, you know, in the sixth grade? So, but your earlier stuff isn't as country maybe as some of your newer stuff. So is that you yourself as a songwriter starting to lean into that a little bit? Or is that coming from having a full band supporting you and they all have their own little bits and pieces and so it's influencing a little bit? Uh, all of the above for sure. So Got the it. earliest, earliest stuff I have out, pre-Shades of Blue, I released three recordings when I was living in Toronto. Okay. Um, at a studio called Secret Suburbia with an engineer named TG, TJ Habibi and he was awesome. But uh, it was just him and I. Um, so he played all the instruments, mostly virtually, and those songs sound pretty country, a little more um, soulful, bluesy, maybe with a, a bit of a, a bit more of a rock production, but yeah. sounding very different from Shades of Blue. So when Shades of Blue came out, I think I was experimenting more with my sound, but also didn't have a band. So everything was electronic. Everything was mm -hmm. mostly, it's my acoustic guitar and then mostly samples in Logic. Um, and I think mostly it was just an experimental phase because sure. ultimately everything I write is written on an acoustic guitar. Um, and my influences vary from everything from classic rock and jazz to, you know, heavier rock bands. Like I love Muse, but yes. I also love Casey Musgraves. So I like to believe that everything that. I've been influenced by kind of distills down into who I am. Um, but for sure now having a band and just the way that I think I write and arrange when that is supported by the right instruments and the right people, there's definitely a country element, yeah. but it's way more rock than country. Um, mm -hmm. And this whole upcoming album, even though some songs sound, I'll just use a word like classic yeah. um, or maybe more of like a timeless sound. Um, there's definitely nothing modern about it except for the equipment that we use to make it. Um, I think country itself was influenced by jazz and blues and sure, and, yeah, yeah, and and like early roots music. So it's it's been really hard for me to distill my genre down actually, and maybe that's why it seems to change so much. Yeah, um, but and that's been the case with everyone that we, and I think that that's just going to increase and i've said it for nova scotia musicians specifically on some of our recent episodes that nobody's really following any genre rules it, no. it's like all the nova scotia musicians learned how to play music but nobody told them what a genre was until yeah. they learned how to do their own music and they're like oh well that doesn't really matter i like everything but it doesn't and i think that a lot of my favorite music is just um genre or genre-identified yeah. as alternative. 
or yeah, yeah, that's fair. indie, um, yeah. which is like a real broad stroke now. But, yeah. you know, I reference Maggie Rogers again. Something that was so appealing about her when she first came out was that she was using singer-songwriter lyrics mm-hmm. um, and she was a banjo player, but then she had this electronic pop production behind it. Yeah. So she became like a pioneer of this kind of pop folk or electro folk kind of genre early on. Um, and I think about, you know, if anyone ever asked her to define her genre and it held her back or it made her try and box herself in somewhere, she wouldn't be who she is. So yeah, exactly. I try to just be myself and let it happen. And I think that as more music, as I release more music, it'll start to um, solidify a little more and maybe it'll become a little more at least consistent if yeah. not definable. Well, I think the goal maybe for 2023 and your new album is that people say, well, that's an Elise Aaron song, not I, a country song or a rock exactly. song. Yeah. That, that's an Elise Aaron song and everybody will know you that got it. way. It's a little yeah. bit rock. It's a little bit country, but ultimately I wanted it to feel timeless and I wanted yeah. it to feel like you could listen to these songs today or 20 years from now. Or maybe even 20 years ago, and it would feel good. And I think for our uh, listeners and viewers, as we end this episode and play off into our little credits, uh, we'll give the listeners a little listen to uh, Under My Skin, which I ah, just touted a few times. And thank you for allowing me to hear that in advance by a couple of days anyway. Thank you for caring. <laughs> it, it, it really was. That wasn't just a... Well, that wasn't even part of the interview question. That was just me writing you personally saying like, where can I listen to this? Because it's bugging me right now. Because I need it out of my head. (laughs) And now that I have it, I listen to it every day instead of getting it out of my head. So there you go. I don't know. Well, I love that. I can't wait till you're streaming it and uh, give me half a cent every day. Oh, yes. (laughs) And a small little thing, and I won't get into it because we didn't talk about it earlier, but I did see that you had posted some things about Spotify and your numbers on there. Yeah. This is my personal opinion. This is not, at least speaking, for anyone that has any problems with using Spotify, we use Spotify for the podcast as well. And I'm aware of some of the issues with Spotify over the last year or two. And what it really comes down to, if an artist is going to get paid by Spotify, you're taking money out of their pocket and giving it to the artist you like. So don't worry about politics when it comes to whether or not you use Spotify. Our artists need to get paid. And if you use other platforms, they're on the other platforms as well. So go out there and support your local artists. Yeah. Are, are, do At you least have... people aren't streaming it illegally now. Yes, exactly. For it, no money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you can purchase your songs through Bandcamp as well. Will the new album be on that? Well, okay. So I really need to, making a note right now, get myself a Bandcamp account. So okay. you can purchase them directly from my website, aliceharon.com. Okay. They're always there. And of course, uh, Apple Music, they're there. And yep. I will have CDs and eventually vinyl in 2023. Oh, we'll um, definitely keep an eye out for that. And we've had you on a couple of our playlists, which we've used Spotify and YouTube primarily over the past year. But uh, with these bonus so episodes, much. there's so much in these bonus episodes that I just gave up on keeping playlists going for the for the next month or so. I have to refocus on that going into the uh, post-music week, I think. So. Hey, you can ask people to add it to their own playlists. Yes, everyone yeah. should, actually. Yes, so this is coming out this Thursday. I don't know when this podcast is going to air. It might already be out by the time that people are listening. But if it's October 27th or later, 
then you can now add it to your playlist. And a little note to Andrew, who was editing this episode, to put links in the show notes. So everyone that's watching this can go down into the description for this episode and find a link to the new song. Yeah, well, EliasAaron.com is probably the best place to find anything. It links out to all my socials and all my streaming, plus the music's on the site. Awesome. And we're going to get cut off shortly here, but... One last thing, maybe if you want to give a little plug before we lose all of our time, you're also playing after the awards brunch at Music Week, uh, Rankin McGinnis has a big party going on that evening. Yes. And you're part of that lineup? Yep. Rankin's Winter Warmers. It's uh, something like a songwriter circle, but more of a party on Sunday night at the Holiday Inn. So we'll be there with a bunch of other bands doing a couple of my songs with Rankin's band. Awesome. So it'll be a lot of fun. If anyone misses the showcase, you have a second chance to catch her on a Sunday evening. Yes. All right. Well, thank you again for the time. Thank you so much. And for uh, me. maybe when the new album comes out, uh, you can circle back and we'll do a full, full blown episode and feature what's happening with yeah. you at that time. Would love to. Great. Thanks awesome. again. Thanks so much. And talk to you soon. See you at Music Week. Bye.